Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshot.net. Episode 69, Centre Broadband Hubs Around Schools. If you're wondering why I'm not uh, giving out about COVID-19 or interviewing somebody in this episode, the reason for this is because I'm going back to the original purpose of this podcast and I'm actually on episode 69 of what that original purpose was, which were a number of things I would do if I were the Minister for Education, hence the title of the podcast. And uh, basically, every week I would pick um, a different issue that I uh, would recognise as something that needs to be changed in the education system at primary level, and I would say what I would do if I was in the position. So in that vein, if I were the Minister for Education, I would centre broadband hubs around schools. Hello, hello, you are welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshaw.net. This is Simon Lewis talking. And finally, we are back to normal with a regular episode of the podcast. This is the 69th episode. I think I've been trying to get to this episode for about two months uh, because it actually follows uh, an ESRI report that was actually um, released over a month ago. I just haven't got around with so much of the COVID-19 stuff that's been going on. And I really wanted to do then a kind of a review of 2021. So this is the uh, first First episode of 2022. Um, we're in the middle, as I'm recording this, where all the question marks are whether we'll be going back to face-to-face learning in January with Omicron raging uh, in the community and you know but the thing is obviously it won't rage in schools so I don't know why people are asking the questions but let that be the last we hear of COVID-19 in this podcast episode because I want to talk to you about broadband. Now for those of you who are not turned on by broadband well don't worry I'd let me explain a little bit about what these episodes, uh, regular episodes, try to do. Basically, if you haven't, if you're new to the uh, to the channel or to this <laughs> to this podcast, um, what I try and do is I've been uh, about three or four years ago. I started writing down things I would do if I was the minister for education, and I found myself writing loads and loads of ideas down, things that were that I felt needed changing, and some of them are controversial, some of them aren't. This isn't particularly a controversial one, which is basically centralising broadband around schools, particularly in rural areas where provision might be quite weak. And rather, and because schools are supposedly the heartbeats of these rural communities, and I say supposedly, uh, not in a sarcastic way, but, you know, people keep saying it, but if they are heartbeats of communities, well, surely we should be centralising lots of services around these heartbeats of these communities, these schools. And one of those services, I would argue, should be broadband. And that really is uh, the concept of this particular episode. Um, if you are interested in listening to other episodes of this podcast, which are much more controversial, for example, the first one argues that if I were the Minister for Education, I would be separating church and state, uh, which is uh, slightly more controversial, let's say, than uh, putting broadband uh, in uh, rural schools, uh, you feel free to listen back to any of those episodes by going to onshot.net or subscribing to this podcast on your favourite podcasting platform. Well, for me, um, 
you know, as I said, I was rec- I'm recording this episode kind of during, as I said, and it's the last time I'll mention COVID-19, I promise. Um, it's uh, we're right in the middle of it. But it was also, as I said, uh, I wrote uh, the script for this episode. Um, yes, I do write scripts for these episodes. Uh, very shortly after a report from the ESRI, which is the economic think tank, uh, where they claimed that secondary school students were less likely to engage with schoolwork during the shift to remote teaching in areas where there was poor broadband coverage. Now, I could have told you that without doing a big study, but I don't think it's a stretch to say that the same thing could have been said for primary schools in poor broadband areas, because it makes sense that if the school is in an area of poor broadband, it follows that the houses in that area are probably in areas of poor broadband, And it follows, again, that schools like this would be limited in what they were able to do in terms of engagement with pupils during the lockdown. If you don't have good broadband in your rural area, or you don't have to be in a rural area, I've heard of areas in in Dublin city centre where broadband is is very poor, um, you you, you were limited in what you you could do. I mean, can you imagine trying to do a a live uh, Zoom with your class when you've got one megabit of broadband coming into your your house or it wouldn't even be broadband. So, you know, the copper wiring broadband, whatever that was called. And to be honest, during the lockdown, the first lockdown, many teachers relied on hotspotting from their phones to upload content, often sitting in their cars a few kilometres up the road from their houses just to get a reasonably decent signal. And I'm not joking, like there were a lot of classes taught from the uh, from from car seats um but on top of all that we're always also being told that schools are supposed to be centers of community as i said especially in rural areas and if that's the case then it follows that services such as broadband would be centered around these schools so that's kind of a summary of what i'm going to try and argue uh, if i were the minister for education and as i said let's try and avoid the dreaded c word covid19 Now, that ESRI study, which was published in the middle of November 2021, if I'm honest, doesn't really read that well to me. To be honest, I think it's a fairly weak study um, because it's based on a survey of all secondary schools, okay? But only a third of those secondary schools answered the survey. Now, to me, it just seemed a bit lazy, this survey, because, you know, it's fairly easy Um, particularly if you're a full-time researcher, to find out the maximum speeds available in any school in Ireland. I mean, I I imagine that data is fairly easy to get if you asked for it or looked for it. Um, It's, you know, particularly secondary schools, it's 700, there's about 700 secondary schools in the country. A quick phone call to say, what is your your broadband speed? You know, would take maybe 700 minutes um, to do. So the survey didn't seem like a good idea for me. So effectively, they're not basing it on all secondary schools. They're basing it on about a third of schools. So these are uh, one in three schools that actually bothered to answer this survey. And why would you bother answering this survey, I suppose, if your broadband speeds were good? You know, I mean, what have you got to gain from doing a survey like that? Because clearly the survey was around broadband provision. And most people answer surveys when they're not happy with something. You tend not to answer surveys for things you don't care very much about. So anyway, that all aside, their conclusion was that in half of the schools they looked at, so um, a half of a third uh, of the schools they looked at, so in one in six schools, 90% of students didn't have adequate broadband. Now that, it just, 
to me, that figure doesn't seem right. We have to be very careful of data and not take it at face value at the time. And we know this, especially in the last year and a half, uh, if you're working in schools. I did promise I would mention COVID-19, so let's whoosh on. However, if that figure is true, let's say it is that 90% of students didn't have adequate broadband at second level, it bodes very, very badly for primary schools. Because unlike second level or second level counterparts, Broadband provision for primary schools is extremely poor in comparison. So second level schools, just for those of you who aren't in the system or may not be aware, where it's possible at all, and that is in most cases it is, the minimum speed in a secondary school for of broadband, of, of internet, is 100 megs. 100 megabits. So this was due to the broadband program uh, about a decade ago, maybe a little less than a decade ago. Um, and 100 megs in today's money isn't brilliant anymore. I mean, you'll get a gig of broadband 10 times faster than 100 megs um, in most houses these days uh, for, for a reasonable fee. Uh, but 100 megs uh, is something that I, I would imagine the vast majority of primary schools would wet themselves over getting. Um, do you know, and this is the thing, even in the smallest schools in Ireland, 100 meg would do you kind of well. But the majority of primary schools in the country uh, would have not even half that, not even a quarter of that. Um, in fact, if you're relying on copper uh, uh, wiring, as, as a lot of schools still are, uh, because of the broadband scheme in Ireland, even if the, even if the area uh, has good broadband available, the scheme that uh, the broadband, um, the NCTE or uh, the PDST uh, Technology and Education uh, provide, still in some cases is under 15, uh, under 16 megabits, which is really, really slow. Um, even, even in a very small school, it isn't really enough uh, to do whatever you wanted to do. And unfortunately, in Ireland, at the last showing, which is a 2019, uh, where they discussed this, where this is when Richard, I think Richard Bruton was still the Minister for Education at the time, he set an ambitious target. Actually, it was Joe McHugh. It was, he set an ambitious target for primary schools, and you probably didn't notice me putting uh, quotation marks around that word ambitious, but let me put them there now. Um, the ambitious target was 40% of primary schools would have, and here's your quotation marks, adequate levels of broadband by 2023. It is now uh, January 2022, so we have about a year. Now, the definition of adequate, I hear you ask, what is your definition of adequate, Simon? Well, it isn't my definition of adequate because my definition of adequate would be very, very different to uh, the Department of Education's uh, definition of adequate. In the report, it was 24 megabits of broadband, Hmm, which in 2022 terms, is very slow and funnily enough and this is interesting when that report was written at least 40 percent of primary schools already had 24 megabits of broadband and just <laughs> to add a little layer of complexity to the uh, equation 24 megabits by the way when you are getting your broadband from uh, whoever you're getting your broadband for and you're advertised 
you're getting 24 megabits of broadband. That doesn't necessarily mean you're getting 24 megabits of broadband. It means you're getting up to 24 megabits of broadband, depending how far away you are from the uh, cabinet. Uh, I think that's what it's called, where the broadband is coming from. So for example, in my school, where I am apparently getting 24 megabits of broadband, if I was to, um, if I was to get it from the school's broadband, it actually translated down to about 16. And uh, there was a little bit of a problem uh, after a storm and it went all the way down to six megabits of broadband. Uh, so uh, ultimately uh, you won't be surprised that we are having to pay for our own broadband like a number of schools, hundreds of schools around the country. Schools are now expected to perform several actions by the Department of Education, which rely on, or at worst, a reasonably good, or an adequate in their definition, good broadband speed, but in most cases, a good broadband speed with good bandwidth. For example, if I need to send a message to all the families in my school, I need to use a web-based service. And this web-based service is pretty much unusable with less than five megabits of broadband, I would think. I mean, I, I'm probably under, am I underestimating or overestimating? No, I would say, I, I would say, look, if you can, you know the way they say Netflix only needs three or four megabits of broadband, but in reality, it needs a lot more than that. So ultimately, yeah, uh, this, uh, this service would probably need a reliable connection of around five megs of broadband. And there's still plenty of primary schools in Ireland that have less than seven megs of broadband. Mine, mine, mine would be one of them at the moment. Um, so asking them that to then provide remote learning support to their pupils during a lockdown was just simply impossible. If you wanted to have a Zoom class for your 30 pupils on a five megabit broadband connection, you may as well give up before you even start. It just isn't happening. And if the Department of Education are serious about schools producing digital learners for the future, as they seem to be wanting to do in the new curriculum, which uh, is coming out uh, in 2026, they need to provide the absolute basics in terms of connectivity to primary schools. They also need to be providing primary schools with the equipment necessary for doing this. And that's the hardware, you know. And on top of that, they need to provide the technical support that schools need when things go wrong. Now, in fairness to the Department of Education and the PDSC Technology and Education, their broadband support desk is pretty good until they can't fix your problem because they don't fix problems. They'll identify that you have a problem. They'll say, ah, yes, there is an issue there, all right. You'll have to get your technician out in that. I love how they say you'll have to get your technician out as if we have this technician sitting uh, sitting in a room in, in, in a primary school saying, uh, yes, I'll just go and uh, fix the, the interactive whiteboard down there. Do you know who your technician is in most primary schools? For those of you who aren't in primary schools, you know, the, the, I mean, those of you who are in primary schools, you know who your technician is. Your technician is the guy or the girl or the person, whoever it is, who's a, who was able to tune in the, the, the tape recorder uh, back in the 90s. And all of a sudden they became the, the IT uh, post holder or the IT person. And then the post all went. So you don't have someone. So it's some, I don't know, it's a, it's just a random teacher who who said, oh, sure, I, I could put that, I could get a... Um, uh, get fix fix that computer and then all of a sudden when they uh, when they succeeded or even if they didn't they became known as the IT guy in the school but anyway let's just stick to broadband for now or it could be here all day it's it's really difficult to find data on primary school broadband but because I love you all so much I've delved right into the little merely whatever depths I don't know what you call them, the deep depths of hell and back otherwise known as the new Department of Education website. For those of you who haven't experienced this purgatory, 
If you want to waste hours of your life, I mean hours of your life, have a look at the new Department of Education website. Uh, maybe by the time you're listening to this, they might have, they might have fixed it. But um, since 2020, they, they basically tried to centralise all the government websites into one place. Um, so the site was restructured. And it's actually now, compl- it's almost impossible to find anything almost anything at all on it and even if you try and google a question and you know the link shows you something on the department of education that 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 looks like the thing that you want when you click on it it just brings you to the home page of the department of education bit of the um government's website like it's unbelievably infuriating so you know in in fairness you know I don't, I don't get paid for doing these podcasts, but I should, just on the basis of having to find this information alone. It took me hours. I've, um, <laughs> as well as that, I've also had to rely on tidbits from the media, uh, because the media is where most teachers now find out about anything to do with education these days. But I did find some data, and the first one, <laughs> of all places, I, it's, it's amazing where you find stuff from the media. You kind of think, yeah, you probably found that in the Irish Times or the Irish Examiner, you know, one of these big papers. Now I found it in the Daily Mirror in 2019, of all places. I'm not no criticism of the of the red tops as they're known, but you tend not to find the most serious news in these um, in these newspapers. They're generally more focused on what's happening on you know once a time in Essex or I don't know I actually I don't watch any reality TV but and uh, but anyway I, before I make a fool of myself <laughs> uh, I better move on um, the article anyway this Daily Mirror article um, reports the data released by the department show that 57% of mainstream primary schools had expected download speeds of less than 30 megabits which makes a lot of sense at the end of the 2018-2019 school year so that, that, that correlates really with uh, what we've been saying but they go further. And this is where it's interesting because they broke it down uh, by county. They go further to say that in Roscommon, County Roscommon, uh, yes, the only county that voted against marriage equality in 2015, by the way, just uh, you know, as an aside, that figure is less than 10% of schools. That's interesting. I wonder if they are um, correlated, um, you know, having very, very poor broadband and uh, voting against equality. I don't know. Who knows? We should. Maybe that's something else that I could do as, a, as, a, as an episode. So that's the uh, Daily Mail interest, or sorry, the Daily Mirror, uh, who said that uh, counties like Roscommon, the figure is less than 10% of schools that uh, have adequate broadband. Um, the Irish Examiner reported in 2020, so this we're, we're going on to the, the, uh, this paper, that almost 1,500 of these primary schools had a download speed of less than 20 megabits in, during 2018 to 2019. So that's... Um, about just under half of primary schools under 20 megabits. That's even worse. And more than 400 primary schools had download speeds of less than 10 megabits, which is, at this day and age, is reasonably uh, unusable. Um, So about just uh, about 12, 13% of schools. Now, while the technology since then has improved immensely, most schools are still relying on broadband speeds of less than 30 megs during the, uh, towards the end of 2021. And the 2019 Kumasu, do you remember Kumasu, Richard Bruton's uh, uh, kind of 83 or 84, what was it, 87 targets for primary schools to, to achieve by 2019? I'd say we achieved, gosh, if we achieved one of them, I'd say we were lucky. Um, uh, said they were guaranteeing that 40% of schools would have adequate broadband by 2023. And their definition is 24 megabits, which is already achieved. So, I mean, in some ways, you know, the, they ticked the box 
but we still don't have decent broadband in more than half of schools, of more than half of primary schools. 57% of primary schools have broadband speeds of less than 30 megabits. That is not adequate broadband. So we're looking at a very, very, very poor infrastructure of primary schools. Speaking of baffling sources like the Daily Mirror, buzz.ie, do you, do you, do you... <laughs> I just don't know why I can't find this information easily on the department website, but I found it on buzz.ie, which is kind of like an entertainment um, website in a way. Um, it stated that in the middle of 2021, about a thousand primary schools in Ireland had over 100 megs of broadband. Now, I can't find the source of that data, but apparently there is a promise of high-speed broadband for all primary schools before the end of 2023. And again, I can't find a source on this apart from the buzz.ie uh, website. So a thousand web, uh, sorry, a thousand primary schools have a, have over a hundred megs of broadband. That's about a third, um, nearly a third of primary schools in Ireland. So it's still only about 33%. And I would suggest a hundred megs is adequate broadband at primary level. So, um, Depending on your definition of adequate, I guess, we, we, we have to go on that. Um, and we, as, as I said, we don't know what high-speed broadband now means, uh, according to the Department of Education. But I don't think, for me, I don't think any of these figures have changed, really, to be honest with you. I still think they're going on this 2019 definition of adequate broadband, um, which is 24 megs. And as I said, 40% of primary schools do have that. But I would, but in reality, it isn't adequate broadband. So where did I go next? I mean, we've got the, we've got some of the newspapers had some figures that were reasonably interesting, you know, particularly, you know, some counties are doing much, doing much, much worse than others. And um, particularly, as I said, Roscommon. Um, but let's get some academic research. And who else? Other than, I, I would say, if there's an academic paper worth reading, it's usually by this researcher, by this person, who uh, I think is one of the best uh, best researchers in education I, I, I've come across ever. And that's uh, Dr. Emer Ivers, um, who I'm sure you are familiar with from pretty much, she has written a paper on almost everything. And she talks regularly about broadband connectivity, Wi-Fi coverage, and a lack of technical support skills at primary school level, which is just as well because this is the topic of this podcast episode. Her research is probably where the data above has come from, from those newspapers, because I, I, looking at the dates of the research and looking at the newspaper articles, it does seem to be from uh, Dr. Ivers' reports. It's referenced uh, certainly in the Irish Examiner, um, and uh, when I went looking for the report, I found it in two clicks. So the Department of Education webmasters might take note of that because uh, it's easy to find stuff um, everywhere except the Department of Education. Um, this report seems to be commissioned by the IPPN, which is great, uh, the Irish Primary Principles Network, for those of you not in the know. Um, and I definitely recall the research. And as far as I know, it's the most recent piece of research on technology in schools without the shadow of COVID-19, as I said, because there's been a lot of research around uh you know, kind of provision of technology and education since 2020. But pre-COVID, uh, this was probably the most recent one in normal times, shall we say. And to be honest, the report is really, really good. And it's worth taking some time to go through it to get an overall picture of what broadband provision is like in primary schools. So let's do that. And you know, to start off with, I have to, I love Emer's introduction to the research paper. You can nearly feel the frustration from the page, <laughs> to be honest with you. And I'd highly recommend you have a read of it. Um, it involved a trip to Wexford um, on some other research project and it catalogued the reality on the ground in primary schools 
where, and, and I'll quote, the most obvious issue was the absolute lack of computers in schools. Many schools had few or no functioning devices. Those that did have computers tended to have them dispersed across classrooms, often one antiquated desktop per teacher, and could not move them to a single room where pupils could be tested. So she was doing some testing, by the way. Sorry, when I, when I talk about tested, this is the test she was trying to do with all the pupils. The very basic requirements were rarely met. Tablets and iPads were not suitable. Screens on netbooks were too small. Operating systems had to be those that were still supported. But a surprising number of Irish primary schools were using out-of-date operating systems, leaving them open to all sorts of security risks. Yes, um, I think we'll all remember the HSE uh, had that problem, um, you know, in the last little while. Um, schools, um, yeah, absolutely would be would be um, in, in trouble in the same in the same regard, I would imagine. Many hard drives were cluttered with accumulated years of files and there was often too little capacity left to run our test. I learned that few schools could supply enough devices in a single room to test pupils. And for those that could do so, few of those devices were capable of running the test software. I think it's a wonderful paragraph. I, I mean, when I say wonderful, it's just a wonderful paragraph to show how terrible things are. That, you know, that when when uh, a researcher went into a school to try out a particular test, um, uh, and it was a, a literacy test, if I remember correctly, they're, they're just in more cases not, she was unable to run the test due to the rubbish um, infrastructure that was in place and through absolutely no fault of the school uh, by the way or any of these schools because it happened in a number of schools but it does sound familiar doesn't it? Ivor's report ran through a bit of history of technology and education which is kind of useful in a way and I've gone through the history of, edu- uh, of technology and education on a couple of the previous episodes of the podcast but I can't but repeat some of Ivor's own findings which are as relevant today as they were when they were written and let me read I'm going to read them to you without telling you what date. I'm not going to tell you what year these were written. Okay, this isn't actually Ivor's report. These are these are things that uh, that were in a report. So let's your job. Listen to this and tell me what year this was. Improvements in ICT infrastructure should be prioritised at the classroom level. Specifically, each classroom should have a computer and data projector for teacher use and adequate broadband internet. That was one recommendation. Recommendation number two, the pupil to computer ratio should be reduced to five to one or less. And number three, a national ICT technical support and maintenance system should be introduced. So these are three things that were recommended. When do you think these were recommended? Okay, now the first point probably gives you a clue when trying to date these recommendations from because this basically this was an inspector's report okay so these was an it was a report from the inspectors so while the vast majority of schools now have a computer with access to an interactive screen or an interactive whiteboard or a projector the same can't be said for the other two points the, the just to repeat those again the pupil to computer ratio should be reduced to five to one or less and a national ict technical support and maintenance system should be introduced basically a five to one ratio for pupil to computer ratio is a pipe dream in most schools today. And there is no national ICT technical support service system. Just guess how long ago this was recommended. Just guess. I'll give the you know I'll take a little bit of a pause here. So I'm going to stop talking so you can guess. Are you ready? It was 2008. That is 
13 years ago, over 13 years ago, if you're listening to this at this time of the recording. And if it isn't maddening enough, the only service that gave some form of tactical support to schools when this report was produced, this, that service, the ICT advisor service, was discontinued in 2009 when the education, uh, when the education centres were forced to lose their ICT advisors. That They were cut and they've never, ever been replaced. The inspectorate also recommended a stronger amount of ICT in initial teacher training. But amazingly, nothing much has changed in terms of this. And I know I'll go totally off the point of this episode because I'm talking about broadband, but I, I, do, I do need to talk about this because if I talk about this issue, I'll come back to it again. But I will leave you with a question as to why. And this is all I'll say in it. Why is ICT? Okay, you know that ICT is not a primary school subject, okay? We know that. Now, it isn't at the moment. It might be in the future. But currently, ICT is not a primary school subject. But it is a separate subject in teacher training college. I mean, why is that? And as, a, as an aside to that aside, I really hate the term initial teacher training rather than teacher training college. Pe- people in third level, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. You know these things that people get very vexed about? Um, you know, they, I think teacher training college is perfectly good. You know, it does what it says. You're training people how to become teachers in a college. But initial teacher training is, is much, oh, absolutely. And third level people get very vexed about this. And I, I just can't understand why. I mean, firstly, they changed this. And then what difference it made? But anyway. I digress. That's really nothing to do with anything. Anyway, Ivers uh, continues to list various policy documents that have come and gone since uh, since then, including several failed uh, NCTE um, or the PSTTIE. I can't believe the acronym still is around, as they're called now. Fra- all the various frameworks. Remember those frameworks from the NCTE? Yeah, my favorite was um, my favorite of all of those documents was the. Um, it was actually in two thousand and nine, and it was called "Smart Schools Equals Smart Economy," and um, this was a document. It was a framework that um, was going to be uh, used for ICT, and it comprised of a steering group about technology and education. Okay, this this is what it was. I I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember this. It was great, but guess how many teachers were on the steering group or involved in any way? in the document that smart schools equals smart economy. Going to pause again? Correct, yes. If you said zero, you're absolutely correct. It's an amazing document because the people that were involved in it were critiquing schools for their technology use and none of them, and none of them, despite benefiting greatly from Ireland's generous tax regime, um, which meant basically that their parent companies paid the lowest tax rates in the world, didn't think that the answer actually laid in them spending a single cent towards helping schools realise their dreams and turning us into tech drones, because that's what we wanted in 2009. A lot of techie drones. What I might have been if I actually had done better in college. I would have been a tech drone too. Anyway, the final sentence in the executive summary was, The ICT industry remains committed to playing its role in developing the smart economy in partnership with government and to mutually striving to help Ireland regain its competitiveness and national prosperity through a prudent technology investment strategy in our schools. I don't know why I used that accent. It just sounded very executive-like. But anyway, I think they might have missed out on the rest of that sentence, which was, except if it means offering anything at all to schools, which is 
in reality what happens. The last time I presented at a Google for Schools event, yes, and I did do that, everyone was given a Chromebook in order to access the latest tools for schools. Because what you went in, right, this is a Google for Schools event, and, and you were given, you were handed a Chromebook. Um, because obviously you needed the Chromebook to access Google's tools. And at the end of the event, sure, everyone was told, uh, everyone was, was told, there you go, you can keep your Chromebook there. Well done, thanks for coming along to this Google event. No, of course they didn't. You had to give the Google, to give the Chromebook back. I mean, this, these Chromebooks cost Google nothing, really, more or less. Sure, they, I, I would imagine. I mean, they don't cost nothing. But to Google, in, in, in general, uh, given Google's riches, it would have cost them nothing to give everyone a Chromebook. But anyway, um, they didn't. They, they wanted the Chromebooks back. So everyone went back going, oh, right, well, that was great, but we can't actually do anything because we don't actually have um, the technology to do this stuff for. I actually presented at the conference, as I said, and probably for the last time because of what I'm about to say, because um, my payment uh, for presenting at this Google uh, for Education conference, so I was promoting, if for want of a better word, Google's tools um, for, 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 for Google. So I would have expected for, you know, the hour or two of my time uh, that I would be paid. Well, no, <laughs> I was paid. I was given a pen and a notebook. Now, I wasn't doing the presentation for the money. But I think it says everything you need to know about how committed these companies really are to ICT in education. Let's fast forward to the summer of 2021 in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and the INTO, which, uh, by the way, for those of you who are outside and maybe inside the education system, they are the primary uh, teachers union. And possibly, um, and you might be wondering, what do the INTO actually do? Well, on June the 4th, 2021, the union called for high-speed broadband and increased ICT inve investment. That was about six months ago. And uh, this was in light of the government's plan to provide digital infrastructure and funding to schools from the EU the week before. Okay, so basically the government uh, got some EU, fun EU funding and the INTO called for high-speed broadband and increased ICT investment. So uh, the plan... Um, according to the INTO, was not ambitious at all. Um, that is, you know, that is that they were hoping to provide high-speed broadband to only a third of primary and special schools by, and by the way, this is the plan, they're looking to get high-speed broadband to a third of primary schools by 2040. Yes, you heard that right. Within 20 years, they hope that one-third, one in three primary schools will have decent broadband by 2040. 40. I like by 2040 my understanding is that we won't be you know we, fossil fuels will be outlawed by 2040 it's quite possible all cars will be electric by 2040 I mean <laughs> what what is this school going to do without broadband I mean it's 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 astounding how poor that might be um, but to be fair to the INTO, they are they are very on the ball when it comes to their concerns and recommendations. So I'm not criticising the INTO. And in a very rare moment of praise for the INTO, they actually made some really good recommendations. Here are their concerns. There's the unavailability of resources. There's poor connectivity. ICT maintenance and centralised technical support for school doesn't exist. We have large class sizes, as they always say. We have failure to provide continuous professional development. Uh, we have problems with cyber safety, as I've referenced earlier on, and the lack of posts of responsibility, which is something that is their fault, in my opinion. But anyway, it is still a concern. So their concerns and they're absolutely valid. So their recommendations are really good. And I'm going to read them all because, you know, while there's a lot of them, 
they're actually good. They need, so here they go. There's a need for increased investment in ICT at primary school level to ensure all schools are equipped with the necessary infrastructure to allow pupils access to all required devices. Reasonable. The provision of high-speed broadband to all primary schools with a reliable network that extends to all areas of the school. Reasonable. The development of digital content both in English and Oscuelga by the National Council for Curriculum and Assessment, that's the NCCA to those of you who uh, only know it by their acronym, to support the redeveloped primary curriculum and meet the diverse needs of pupils in Irish primary schools. Absolutely fantastic recommendation, which is not actually in the current plans for the NCCA's redevelopment of the primary curriculum, just as an aside. The adequate resourcing of professional development support service for teachers, the PDST, for those of you who didn't know what that was, to provide a range of upskilling opportunities for teachers in ICT, including sustained support, enabling them to engage with digital technology and to provide digital learning opportunities for their pupils. Totally, absolutely fine, except I think we should be dismantling the PDST, uh, to be honest with you, and letting the education centres do this instead and maybe reinstating the uh, ICT advisors who could actually support these courses and would probably do them better. Anyway, um, the provision of assistive technologies and ICT resources with the relative and continuous professional development by the NCSE. I would say that. Go away, NCSE. I, I, I disagree uh, with that completely. Um, you know, the NCSE couldn't be trusted to run, I don't know, what could they be trusted to run? Run themselves into the ground is probably what they could be trusted to do. Um, the re-establishment of middle management posts in primary schools to enable a coordinated approach to integrated development of technology usage across the curriculum in all classrooms. Absolutely, we need an ICT post holder in every school. The development of an integrated approach to procurement and technical support in all primary schools. I agree with that as well. So I think that's really good in general, um, you know, from the INTO. They've made uh, some really, really good recommendations. The press release finishes with some kind of flowery word demand that wasn't actually said by the person that they said said it, but it basically says, get broadband in schools quickly. And that's where my episode finally gets to its point. So I've given you a lot of background. I've given you a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, but let's get to the point. While schools have been ignored by the companies rolling out high-speed broadband, right now, most homes in Ireland have access to speeds that schools, primary schools anyway, can only dream of. For example, in my house, I have one gig of broadband connection and it's no hassle to get it. I am paying, I think I'm paying about 50 euro a month for this speed of broadband for nothing. And in my school, less than six kilometers up the road and actually in a more, in a similarly, similar setting, it's reasonably urban setting, the government can give me about 24 megs, which in reality is about six because it's so far away from the exchange. Apparently, I'm on a list uh, on the national broadband plan, but that will only bring me up to a maximum of 150 megabits. And as I'm recording this, I, I should be on, I, 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 that should be ready for me by the time I get back to the school uh, after the winter break. Um, but there's businesses in town in the town, the same town as I'm as I'm working in in a school. So I can get up to a, I, by 2022, so by sometime around 2022, I'll be able to get 150 megs, which is still less than my house. But there's businesses in the same town, only about a kilometer up the road, being able to get 10 gigabit speeds, 10 gigabit speeds. And rightly so. You need your businesses, you need your, uh, your, 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 your places of work to have very high levels of broadband if you can get it. And schools are places of work and they're particularly with, and they have a lot of people working within them. What I can't understand, 
particularly in more rural areas, is why schools are being used are not being used as the base for high-speed broadband. We have this really stupid law in Ireland that says you should be no more than three kilometres away from your nearest school. Okay, this is a law from back beyond because you couldn't. It wasn't fair to um, basically um, expect people to walk more than three kilometres to their school back in back in the olden days. But that law still exists, so that's why there's so many schools in Ireland, really, in a way. And while that law exists, and maybe it doesn't exist, and maybe it's been ignored now because it is a stupid law. What you have is a ready-made infrastructure for broadband hubs, all three kilometres away, at least, you know, a maximum of three kilometres away. And the government could simply ensure that any area that hasn't already got fibre broadband, the work should start at the school so they get the maximum, the highest rate of connectivity and the entire community could connect from there. And to me, it seems like a total no-brainer. I mean, there's little point in my house having a gig of broadband speed for three people because there's three peoples in my three people in my house three peoples three people in my house when my school only a couple of kilometres away has 24 megs, 42 times slower than my home speed between 500 people. However, if schools are supposed to be the centres of their communities, as most people in rural Ireland would suggest, then it makes a huge amount of sense to start there. If every school in the country was the hub for a broadband connection, the houses and centres and churches and pubs and so on could utilise this hub very easily. Why? I don't understand why the main access point seems to be randomly placed somewhere. Like in my case, in the school, it just seems to be, um, I think it's 100 or 200, 200 metres up the road, you know, in a field kind of thing, but for no reason, really. Um, and ultimately, you know, it makes no sense. And I suppose, as I'm, you know, while, while I'm here, I might as well just comment because this wasn't something that was on the script because since I've written this, a couple of things have happened. Most notably, that European EU grant that kind of came along in June um, has been um, given to schools uh, since, uh, since I've written the script for this. And it would be, a, it would be wrong of me not to uh, say what happened because rather than um, using the money and it worked out, at, I think it worked out at 50 million euro. Um, 50 million euro, rather than um, using that money, I suppose, to increase broadband speeds in schools, what they did instead was they basically divided the money up and um, basically gave schools a chunk of money, and it was a good chunk of money, don't get me wrong, to you know, update their own software or update their own hardware. Um, and particularly within light and trying to focus on uh, children from disadvantaged um, households. Now, it's 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 absolutely a fine use of money. I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's, a, it's the worst thing they could have done. I mean, they could have kept the money and not spent it. Um, but they didn't increase broadband. Uh, and that was one of the targets that was supposed to be met from this grant. So in, in other words, Schools have a lot of money to buy equipment, but we don't have a way of increasing our broadband, really. Um, so I suppose that's just something uh, worth bearing in mind. And ultimately, there isn't really a lot more to say about this, because the point of the episode is to provide schools with super speed broadband. Um, yes, I'm going to use super speed broadband in the same context as John Ball says, supersized classes. We should be having super speed broadband and begin the installation of super speed broadband hubs at schools. And in some ways, this has an analogy in swimming being on the curriculum. 
Um, and I don't know if it's a good analogy, but let's let's look at this as an analogy. What we're doing is when it comes to swimming is swimming is on the curriculum, okay, as we all know, aquatics, as it's known, because that's what you call swimming. Um, swimming is on the curriculum, but you don't but the government don't provide swimming pools, okay? And but they still expect us to provide a full curriculum of aquatics. Of, uh, so they don't give you the swimming pools, but we expect you to teach your children how to swim. Okay, so what happens to schools is they figure out some, some, I mean, particularly if you're in a rural area, you have to travel on a bus for maybe an hour, a half an hour to an hour to a swimming pool. But, you know, when you have a situation with broadband, we, we seem to have the same situation. What we have is we have over half of schools with less than 30 megs of broadband in 2021. We're still expecting um, schools to provide a service of adequate um, where, you, where you would have adequate technology to provide that service. So if you're expecting schools to provide a, technological, um, a technology curriculum, as they will do in 2026, without providing with adequate broadband, it's absolutely not going to happen. And it is a national disgrace, especially when you're expecting us to provide a digital learning environment. And if the new curriculum expects pupils to be digital learning, sorry, to be digital learners, the government need to get a move on. And to continue that swimming analogy, right now, they're really in the deep end. So there we have it. That is episode 69 of this podcast, If I Were the Minister for Education. If you have enjoyed it, please feel free to subscribe to this podcast because you, as a reward, will receive those episodes a little bit earlier than everybody else. I release the episodes online every Friday evening, but as I said, if you subscribe, you'll get them straight away after I publish them, which could be as early as a Tuesday, depending on how uh, organised I am. Um, if you uh, like the, uh, this episode or any of the other episodes, I'd really appreciate you leaving a review on any of the uh, providers, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts, because it helps other teachers find the episodes. Um, if you are interested, this is being recorded at the um, beginning of 2022. But if you'd like a review of 2021 uh, and missed all the COVID references, uh, please tune in to uh, my last episodes, which were a two-parter on an advent calendar worth of 2021 highlights in education. And you will hear the term schools are safe throughout, just in case you were worried. Thanks very much for listening to this episode. We'll catch you again soon. All the very best and bye-bye.